I've been everything from a bath mat, um, I've been a cutting board, I've been a human lamp. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Santagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. For anyone out there that wants to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can reach us at oplpodcast at gmail.com or go to our website, oplshow.com. Yeah, and before we get started, quick shout out to our Patreon community. If you want to help support the show and become a patron, you can head over to patreon.com slash oplshow and you get to join our Discord to speak with us and other listeners and you can help us raise money each month through the Patreon uh, to donate to different charities, individuals. I think we ended up uh, being able to donate over $5,000 last year, which was really great. So we want to top that this year, give to more charities, give to more people. So if you join the Patreon, then your monthly payment will contribute to that total number that each month we're able to donate and, and pick a different charity. So really cool. You could head over to patreon.com slash OPL show. So today we are speaking to a guest who spent five years in the business of being paid to be human furniture for other people. Sometimes this would involve sex, but a lot of times it would not. So we're going to learn all about the human furniture business and this guest's experiences. First off, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So to start things off, can you describe what it means to be human furniture? Um, it can actually mean a lot of things. Um, it can be as simple as just um, some people enjoy like sitting on you and just pretending you're a chair. Um, it can also involve a lot of um, fabrics and bindings and positioning and um, various conversations about boundaries and things like that. If things are a little bit more risque. So um, it ranges from the extremely, extremely mild to just sitting on the lap to um, everything from like nice play to things of a more dangerous nature. Uh, so how did you even get started in something like this? <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely not something I, uh, I, I, I was even considering. Um, I was really young. I had just moved from the Midwest to a really large, um, East coast city. I was actually living with, uh, six other roommates at the time. So it was awful. Um, I was barely, uh, making rent and, uh, I went over to my landlord one day because he happened to live just across the street from us. Um, I explained to him that I was going to be um, late on rent. Um, and he kind of gave me the, uh, the maybe we can work out some sort of alternate arrangement. And I'm like, is this really happening right now? Like, this seems like a, like a bad movie. Like, really? Like, I, I don't I don't fit the, the profile of a typical sex worker. I'm I'm six, four, 400 pounds. So I'm like, I don't I don't really think that's But I was like, really? And he's like, he's like just come on in and let's talk. Um, and so he, uh, he kind of explained to me what he was into. And uh, I was like, I don't I don't know if I'm. I'm super down for this. Um, but he goes, well, just, just start off by rubbing my feet. And I was like, uh -huh. all right, I guess, I guess that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, and then about a few minutes into that, he asked me if I would, um, pose for him. And I was like, 
like art or like you know like a statue and he goes no he's like i want you to get on your hands and knees and i want to use you as a footrest and i was like kidding right? like I was waiting for somebody to pop out and like this to be some like horrible version of like getting punked or something I was like really um and so through that um it kind of started out that that's how I ended up uh paying my rent for the next six months while I lived there um and then I ended up getting in touch with some friends a little bit later on down the road um who were actually in the sex work industry um and they were explaining to me all the different ins and outs and things like that um and it kind of just got to be one of those things that I did um for emergency funds um but then it kind of got to be something that I could make a career my I guess career is maybe a little bit um, overstated, but something I could work at. And yeah, so it just kind of progressed from there. Wait, so this guy, was there no sex involved? He just wanted you to be his footrest? Well, initially that was kind of the conversation and I wasn't sure if I was down with that because he kind of wanted me to have sex with him. And at first I was like, eh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I've, I, I, I obviously I've, I'd never had sex for money or for anything at that point other than just, you know, having sex because I wanted to. So when I seemed apprehensive, um, he, uh, he started with the foot rub and then he wanted me to be his foot rest. And then, yeah, then eventually he was just like, well, how do you feel about sex? And I was like, well, I mean, to me, we've kind of crossed a, a, a more unusual threshold. So I was like, that's fine. So. That's how I paid my rent for the next six months. And when when you're being someone's footrest, like what, how long are you someone's footrest? Like, are you there for like hours or something? Um, it depends on what you negotiate and work, what you work out with him. It was only for about maybe 45 minutes, um, which isn't terrible. Um, I've had um, like, people that want to go for like five, six, seven hours sometimes. Um, and depending on what they want to do, that can be extremely taxing. So, yeah, I mean, it, uh, it, it varies, but with him, it was only about 45 minutes. So that was fine with me. So this guy, I guess, sort of introduced you to, I guess, this world of fetish around furniture, I guess you could say, but then how did you kind of get deeper into that world? I won't spoil it. I'll let you kind of let everyone know some of the furniture that you've been requested to be, but it seems like you ended up getting pretty deep into, I don't know, specializing in being human furniture. So how did that journey start? Um, that kind of started because when I originally moved out to the East Coast, um, short of the, the six people I was living with, I didn't know anybody. Um, like I didn't know, you know, I was, I was out from the Midwest. Um, you know, my, my town was 2000 people and I'm now living in a town with millions of people. So, um, I didn't know anybody. Um, I went to, um, a few gay bars, a few clubs, um, made some friends at the time. Um, and just through communicating with them, um, 
I realized that I had made friends with sex workers, which was never a problem for me. Um, and even at the time, after the first time it happened, I didn't really consider myself a sex worker. Um, but through conversations with them and kind of explaining like, you know, what I had done and, and, and when I was comfortable talking to them, they're like, oh yeah, there's all this other work and all these other ways you can make money doing that exact thing. And I was like, really? Like, I didn't, I didn't really like consider it something that people did as a regular day-to-day -day thing, which I don't know why, because sex work is a regular day-to-day -day thing, but, um, they put me in touch with some people who, um, had some, uh, unique fetishes. Um, they taught me a lot, uh, about how to set boundaries, how to, um, negotiate what you will and won't do. Um, and I've, I've been everything from a bath mat. Um, I've been a cutting board. I've been a human lamp. Um, I mean, there's, there's very little, I, I had really hard boundaries about not doing, but, uh, it depended on what they were willing to pay, honestly, and, and, and whether I felt safe doing it. How do you, how are you a cutting board? Like they're cutting <laughs> food on top of you. Like when you get hurt doing that? Uh, no. So, so that's one of those things where we have the kind of the conversation beforehand about what that looks like, um, is, I don't know if you've ever been to a dollar store and seen those really flimsy plastic cutting boards, like the little flexible ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, those, the, so, uh, essentially what happened is they had, uh, when I was a cutting board, there was an island, um, in the middle of this person's kitchen and I would lay on my back on the island. Um, we would duct tape the, um, plastic mats to me and then they would use a wooden cutting board, um, on top of me. So, um, you know, cause obviously they were, they were using real knives yeah. Um, and so I'm not going to say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very kink positive, but I'm not going to let somebody stab me for any amount of money. Um, yeah. so I said, uh, you know, this is, this is what it's going to look like. This is how it's going to go down. And, and they were cool with that. And they, they made dinner on me and we actually ate dinner together and then kind of just hung out for a little bit and then went my separate ways. So they and, just, and what about like the, the lamp? Like when you're a lamp, are you like. Like, um, do you have to hold up a light or something? Yeah, I've done it a couple different ways. Um, I actually had one person who, um, like, took some vinyl and wrapped my arms, and then I had, like, a um, like a touch lamp that was plugged in. Um, so they like to um, kind of run their fingers through the back of my hair, and then I would touch the lamp to turn it on and off. Like, that was their version of the light switch. Um, I've also had it just as simple as... Um, holding flashlights. Um, I've also had people stick like uh, the, the the little pop lights, the LEDs to me um, that you just push to turn on and off. So um, yeah, I mean you can you can. It's pretty much your imagination and your comfort level is really the limit. Um, I've I've seen um, elaborate setups. I've seen um, things that cost thousands of dollars, and I've seen things that cost less than ten dollars to do. So whatever you're comfortable with. Do you know, maybe from speaking with these people, what it is about this kink in particular that some of them, like, what are some of them getting from this? Like you in the corner kind of blending in as a lamp or them just cutting up their, you know, dinner on a Wednesday night on top of a 400 pound person on their kitchen counter. Like, I don't know. I, 
do you know an explanation of that kink from your experiences? Um, I, I think it comes from a couple things. Um, part of it comes from a, like a, a control kink. Um, and you know that, um, for some people it's that power of the, you know, furniture or objects or things that we own. So being able to kind of exert that control or, or dominance or ownership, um, for some people, I think it, um, is a way just to explore, um, different levels of creativity that they might not be able to do um, publicly or openly for fear of shame. Um, and for others, I think there's just a, um, a certain element of sexual gratification and being able to give commands to somebody. Mm. Um, and I think that's okay too. So I don't know that I ever nailed down a single specific reason, but that was kind of some of the, the impressions that I got from, from most of the people that I, uh, that I worked with. And out of all these objects that you've been like, wh what was your least favorite and what was your most favorite? Um, least was probably the bass mat. Um, and only because, um, it was so essentially I had to, um, lay down naked on a tile floor, which was already freezing cold. Um, and then he would put this like, uh, bath mat with a vinyl backing over it so it's just nothing but like cold tile and vinyl on me um and then he was a he was a, a fairly big dude too um so he would get out and he would you know basically kind of walk on my back and try to balance on my back and dry his feet off and then use another towel to dry himself off um so that was pretty uncomfortable um favorite gosh the one thing that comes to mind um, is I did get to do a similar version, not exactly. I don't know if you've ever seen like the the shows where they have the the naked sushi girls where they eat sushi off of them. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, obviously I'm not a, uh, a twenty year old, one hundred and twenty pound woman, but I uh, um, at the time um, he wanted to do something similar, um, and that was kind of a, a a one-time experience that I'd never had a request for. So um, I basically just got to lay there and we talked and they ate dinner off of me and it felt a little bit weird. And I was just like, okay. But I mean, yeah, it was just a, like a two hour long conversation and it was fun. Do you, was this purely for the money or do you, did you derive any pleasure from being furniture for people? Um, I, I, I'll be honest and say it was mostly about the money. Um, I don't think for me it was about sexual gratification, but being able to like help people like live out their kinks and not feel like their kinks or their fantasies were weird or, um, you know, abnormal, that kind of made me feel good too. Cause I feel like if we're all honest, we probably have one or two kinks that we don't really discuss in public or that we don't really discuss with oftentimes even our partners. Um, that would be nice to us for us to live out, even if only once or twice. Mm. Um, and so I like being able to help people kind of explore that, um, you know, within, within safety limits and things like that. Cause you do have to set boundaries because otherwise some people won't, but, um, yeah, I mean, 99% of the time it was, it was, it was very fulfilling work. Interesting. And, and this is something I'm assuming you're still actively doing. Uh, no, I only did it for about five years. Um, I ended up moving away from, um, the East coast back, back to the Midwest. And 
I probably would have done it, ex- continue to do it, except for um, I started uh, getting romantically involved with people who were a hundred percent down, and just the market, the the volume of people here is, I mean. If if it's a hundred percent on the East Coast, it's maybe one percent of that right. here uh, in the Midwest. So there's just it just it wasn't worth the upkeep. And I mean, because I I had to, um, you know, uh, use uh, just so many different cautions and pseudonyms and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you get to a town where everybody knows you, um, or everybody knows everybody else for that matter. It just wasn't worth the risk. That makes sense. So I'm curious in those five years, did, did you make good money? Is, is the money in the human furniture business good? Um, it depends on the person and it depends on, I guess the, um, the activity I made okay money when I first started out, like the first year I was doing it, I didn't really know. I mean, there, there's not really a guidebook or a, a something that tells you what to charge for services like that. So I was literally just charging, um, you know, what I needed to get by at the moment. Like if I needed like 200 bucks for rent, it was, you know, 200 bucks or, or whatever. Um, and then I had a friend who was a sex worker who pulled me aside and said, no, you should be charging, you know, a lot more for this or, or more for this amount of time. Um, I think the most I ever made uh, was like five grand for one weekend. Um, and that was, um, there was a, a lady who um, wanted me to uh, basically be like a TV tray and a table for her husband um, for the whole weekend. Um, and that was the most I ever made. But I've I've done it for as little as 20 bucks. So I think if you have the, the ambition and the motivation, you know how to, um, negotiate your worth in that way, you can definitely make lucrative money off of it. And if you're like a TV tray for a whole weekend, like, Mm -hmm. is it the entire weekend or is there times where it's like only when they're eating and then what are you doing for the rest of your time? Oh yeah. So, I mean, the rest of the time it's either, um, that particular weekend, I think I have to remember, I think we had sex once or twice, I think. Um, and then it's just kind of hanging out or having conversations or, um, you know, what you'll find in those situations is when people have all of those barriers dropped down, when they're really that raw and exposed, when you know kind of most of their kinks are, are a big secret about them, is that the conversation actually tends to be a little bit easier um, you would think it'd be a little bit more strained, but they're they're very open and they talk about what their plans are and what they want to do and what their future kinkles are and stuff like that. So it was um, they provided me a place to sleep. Um, they provided um, everything like food and stuff and like that. They were they were very generous and very nice. So yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't do overnights a lot, but yeah. So you did mentioned in the email i saw the note of the tv tray we're not going to push you for any names or anything but you said that a woman rented you out to be the tv tray for a very well-known celebrity mm-hmm. uh yeah well, i can't uh, i can't disclose who but that was that was who it was for um were you shocked when you showed up and realized who it was or was it uh was that part of the negotiation beforehand I didn't, understanding. It was a celebrity. I didn't believe it. Yeah, I didn't believe it because it was actually it was it was myself and a friend. So there was actually two of us. Um, and she had made um, the contact through my friend. Um, 
And she's like, oh, yeah, we're going to go, you know, do this and this and this. They're looking for somebody else this weekend. Do you want in? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, it's five grand. I was like, hell yeah, I'm in. Um, <laughs> I was like, I was, and then she goes, she goes, well, it's for, you know, such and such celebrity. I was like, no, it's not. Shut up. Um, and I get there and they bring us inside and, um, you know, I, I, I met a couple people there that they introduced us to and they were like, these are our security staff. You'll see them like roaming around throughout the week, like or the weekend, like don't freak out. And then sure enough, this person walked through the door and I was like, holy crap. Um, so <laughs> I, I didn't really believe it at first, but, uh, yeah, it was the only, it was the one and only time I had a, a celebrity encounter. Wow. And you were just their TV tray for a whole weekend. Is it someone, I'm not going to bug you about this, but is it like someone super well-known? Like if you were to drop the name right now, we would be shocked. Um, probably. Yeah. I, I you would definitely know immediately who it was. It wouldn't be, it's not somebody like super obscure that acted yeah. in a movie like 65 years ago or something like that that did like one movie. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, um, my my we signed NDAs for that, which have long mm -hmm. since expired. But even still, I'm just like, yeah, that's that's one of the weirder ones. That I just blow well, yeah. my mind. Good. Good for you, though. You're you're like a human safe. You're not letting the secret out. So, no, I, I would never I would never. I think that's how you make people feel um, respected and safe. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do that to anybody. And And with this kind of this line of work, like, I mean, it's very interesting. And obviously you're kind of seeing people at their most vulnerable, what would you say is like the biggest takeaway that you can take away from this whole experience? Um, I, I guess for, for myself personally, um, I learned how to see people, um, more as, um, people and, and not so much as, as the sum of their parts. Um, we're all weird in some ways. We're all crazy in some ways. We're all dysfunctional in some ways. And you can look at all those different pieces and, and make individual judgments. But I think it taught me that most people are good people. You know, most people are, um, you know, if, if you set boundaries, most people respect them. If you are, are respectful of other people, they'll be respectful of you. It's not 100 percent, obviously, but, you know, um, I would say 95 percent of the time. And I think that's a, a really positive thing to take away, because, like I said uh, earlier, I think if we're really, really honest um, and I always tell people this is why therapy is important. If you don't actually live out your kinks is that we all have those one or two kinks that we're we're never going to tell anybody or that we feel like are weird or gross or freaky and most of us are, are kinkier than we like to let on. And that doesn't make you weird or a freak or a pervert or anything like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, it, it is cool. Like you did mention before, I think something that you were able to get out of the experience is to be that person that gets to help someone live that out. And, you know, we say it all the time on this show, a lot of people, like you said, might suppress their kinks or kind of understand uh, that people would perceive them as super strange or abnormal. So I guess to meet strangers and to just be, to get in kind of a safe environment with them where they're being super vulnerable, um, it's just, yeah, it's special in a way. It's because it's uh, not a place a lot of people kind of let themselves go. And then here you are being a bath mat or a TV tray or a lamp for someone and making them feel safe enough to just fully enjoy that experience. So that, that is nice. Yeah, it, it was it was a great experience. Um, 
you know, who knows if I end up back on the East Coast with my current partner. You never know what might happen, but I, I, I definitely enjoyed the experience. Um, and I think it's something that's, um, I would have never, like, if you, if you would ask me, like, before it happened, like, hey, do you see yourself as being human furniture for somebody one day? I'd been like, what are you, high? Like, no, of course not. But it just, it worked out and I don't regret it. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, uh, it's really interesting. We We did not know that this existed, uh, but it's, it's really cool to hear about it. And it's cool to hear that you had a positive experience with it. Uh, and I guess a safe experience. And that was going to be my last question for you is, uh, did it ever get to a place where you didn't feel safe or was there ever an instance where, um, you had to turn something down or walk away from a situation because it was just getting, you know, too strange, too dangerous, or they wanted you to act, I don't know, as a piece of furniture that you just didn't feel comfortable being. Yeah, um, I, I had some 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 pretty hard and fast rules um, that I would adhere to, um, and then I've had to kind of um, shut some people down for for crossing boundaries or crossing agreed upon limits. Um, one of them was I never did anything in public, um, and that wasn't just for privacy. That was because you know, God forbid, I didn't want you know a kid to have to see that or something like that. Um, so um, I had people that would pressure me to do that. Was the kind of their kink was to do all this stuff in public. And I was like, um, I'm sorry, that's, that's over my mm -hmm. line. Um, I had a guy that, um, wanted to use me as a human ironing board one time. Um, and I was like, I, I asked him, I was like, how do you think that's going to work without me? Um, you know, getting severe burns. I was like, I'm not going to let you, you know, put an iron to my skin. And he, uh, he said, no, no, the iron will be off the whole time. And it's more of like a, a role play thing. And I said, we kind of agreed to it. Um, and then, um, you know, he was, he started and I, I felt the cold iron on my back and then I immediately felt it start getting hot. Um, and I jumped up and he had plugged it in and I was like, absolutely oh. not. We're done. Yeah, um, no we're done. Um, and then I always had a hard and fast rule that my arms could never be fully bound to where I couldn't move them at all. Um, and that was just for my safety as well. Um, so they couldn't be bound to my body or tied to my body in any way so that I couldn't move. Because uh, um, sometimes, you know, there were people that, again, unfortunately, even though they are the minority, they didn't really respect boundaries. And so you kind of have to be able to have that presence and that confidence to stand up for yourself and be like, absolutely not. We're done. No. Yeah. That, that's smart. And it's, it's cool to hear how seriously, you know, you take your duties and, and role in, in these moments and kind of set these boundaries and rules for yourself and understanding with the other person. Um, I think that's just super important, you know, with, with sex work in general is just, that communication, you know, at least we've learned, uh, to just be super transparent. So yeah, we, uh, really appreciate you coming on and, uh, taking the time to explain this and, uh, share some of these stories, super eye opening, super interesting. And, uh, it seems like, seems like something that, you know, you'll look back on fondly, I guess, as a period of your life. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was very interesting, um, very rewarding. Um, and definitely in the grand scheme of life, not something I ever thought I would do in a million years, but I don't have any regrets. So that's awesome. That, that usually makes for the best experiences, the, the ones that you don't see coming or, or can't imagine. So yeah, really, really cool to hear. And, uh, again, we really appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me today. Of course. All right. We'll have a good one. All right. Take it easy. Bye.
before we get to our final thoughts, we do have uh, some sponsors for today. Uh, we have BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online counseling, so you can get help from a therapist. Uh, and also you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. So if you decide that you want to take control of your mental health and talk to a professional because you're dealing with anxiety or depression or any sort of trauma or something like that, you can start talking to someone in under two days. So uh, BetterHelp is a great platform where they just match people up and also they make it very easy to uh, jump from therapist to therapist because that is part of the process to find something that, you know, or someone that uh, fits you correctly. Um, and it's also customized so you can talk to people on the phone or video chat or, you know, a live chat or something like that. So whatever makes you feel most comfortable, if you don't want to look at anyone on camera or like, you know, anything like that, you don't have to, they make it very easy to communicate in various ways. So yeah, go check them out with BetterHelp. Uh, it's, I think that it's very important for people to seek therapy. I've been in it for a couple of years now and I think it's extremely helpful and it's amazing. Even if there's nothing remotely like actually wrong i think it's just good you know exercise for your brain um but yeah go check them out betterhelp.com uh and it's also more affordable than in-person therapy which can be quite expensive so on top of it being affordable you can also save some money because you listen to the show uh you will get 10 percent off your first month at betterhelp.com slash opl uh that is 10 percent off of your first month uh betterhelp.com slash opl spelled b-e-t-t-e-r-h-e-l-p.com slash opl so go check them out Well, that is something, one of those interviews that I never thought I would do in my life. No, never. I'm curious, what uh, piece of furniture do you think you would be best at? Um, <laughs> maybe a footrest, I guess. I don't know. Uh, like, I feel like that may be that's the That's hard. I mean, I feel like being a bath mat's pretty difficult, and also being a lamp sounds like an actual, like, chore, standing... It's not great. I don't think you have the stamina for a footrest. That's like doing a plank almost. That's fair. That's fair. That's good. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it is an interesting thing. And it, it just, this is one of those episodes where I feel like it just like expands your mind to the possibilities of things that are happening out there and that people will pay for as well. Also, mm -hmm. very interesting that he said that a well-known celebrity is indulging in such things. So it just goes to show, you know, the whole point of the show, you never really know. What, what people are into or what they're doing behind closed doors. And a well-known yeah. celebrity apparently is using a man as a footrest. Uh, TV tray. A TV tray, sorry. TV tray, TV tray. Yeah, it's also really cool. The I, Some of the items are kind of obscure. Like I just never would think that. I mean, I guess they make sense physically, but TV tray, bath mat, cutting board, I would never think that. I, I would just picture like, put your feet on me or like sit on me like a chair, but people are getting creative. TV tray. I, I don't even really, I don't think I've ever like even seen, but what is a TV tray? Yeah. What? Right. I think that's what just is this like this fifties. Yeah. Like TV when they tray. would have TV dinners and they were like set up like an, like a little easel. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. I but think I mean, so. The cutting board was, you know, I thought that was going to be like, they're literally cutting on top of you, but thank God mm. there's some separation there. Uh, but yeah, it was a super interesting episode. And, and honestly, like, the way that they were talking about it, saying that, you know, if they needed 200 bucks for this, it's easy to just be like, all right, I'll do like a couple hours here as a chair or, you know, something like that. Like, I feel like that's a pretty, I, I don't know, I, like a part of me feels it, like it's convenient. Like, obviously it's a little strange, yeah. but it's, it is a little convenient to be like, oh, I can make this money like doing this thing. I don't know. 
Right, because I guess they were open to sex sometimes, uh, but it seems like there doesn't always have to be sex. Or you can set the boundaries and still get enough work as human furniture without having to have sex. Right. So that's that's just like task rabbit or something, you know, just come over and be my footrest for a couple hours, make a couple hundred bucks without oh. the worry of sex. I mean, I'm sure it's always a little scary or you're on edge going into a stranger's place, but you know. Especially one that's kind of requesting you to be a footrest. I've actually been offered to have a footrest. Uh, there was a man uh, some oh. time ago that had offered to like, I will be your footrest if you want, and they were going to pay me. So a reversal mm-hmm. of this whole thing kind of. Um, oh, okay. Which I They were going to pay you. They were wow. going to pay me to use them as a footrest. Okay. So that's like layers of submissive behavior here. There's Findom mm-hmm. in there, and then there's this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I respectfully declined. Uh, not something that I'm into or interested in doing, but it is very interesting nonetheless to know that people are out there, you know, being human furniture for others. It could, like, this could be happening in the apartment right next to me right now, it's or tr- like the apartment next to you. That's what's cool. Like, like you said, the behind closed doors, you never know what's happening. Episodes like this, for some reason, just really make me, it changes the way I think when I like walk down the street. Like if I go for a walk later, like I'm going to be so aware, like anything could be happening up in that apartment, in that apartment, things we wouldn't even be able to guess. And we live in a city, we're fortunate to live in a city where they have gigantic buildings where there's thousands of people living in them. And you're just like, who like what could be possibly happening like at least one person in there you have to imagine that's the thing the ratio alone of how many people are in new york city knowing you know a kink like this exists there's i just feel like there's almost no way we haven't been walking down a street in our lifetime where someone's been human furniture in in one of the places that we're passing in some capacity yeah or or have just requested that because it it seems and this is just a pure guess, but it seems like it makes more sense of it being just like a submissive act of like, I want to like demean me in a way and like, I'll be your footrest. Like I'm sure mm. there's that in abundance that people have done something mm. similar like that. You know, that makes a lot of sense to me as far as it being like a exchange of goods that feels a little more rare. And I'm basing that off of nothing, honestly, but I just, that got a gut feeling that I have. Yeah, yeah. But hey, I mean, and and the person that we spoke to uh, seemed to enjoy their time doing it. And uh, like they said at the end, no regrets. It's kind of a a period in their life that they'll look back at, something that they never expected, but it makes for a good memory. There's no regrets. They made some money. And now there's a pretty interesting story to tell. 100%. And also five years in the game? That's That's a long time. Like they definitely have memories that last a lifetime. Yeah. You know, that, so. that's a career. That's a solid career in, in the furniture biz. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a, there, that's a, that you're a seasoned vet at that point, <laughs> five years in. Um, but yeah, for anyone out there that wants to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can reach us at OPLshow.com or just send us an email directly at OPLpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And head over to patreon.com slash OPL show. If you want to join that community, help support the show and uh, help us raise some money monthly to donate to different charities, different people and follow us on Instagram at OPL podcast. And don't forget, you can always use the code OPL at paythepricegame.com If you want to get your hands on the party game that Joe and I created. And that is all. That is all.
See you guys next time.